garnered a paw-sized hunk of bagel spread with strawberry cream cheese, which she'd sneaked into the back room and eaten to the last crumb. A pleasant victory, since her mistress had a distressing habit of snatching delicacies away before the cat got more than one tooth into them. Sophie weighed twenty-two pounds and was as determined to hang on to every ounce as her mistress was to make her svelte. Yesterday, Sunday, the shop had been closed. Sophie had not had so much as a corner of dry toast. Now, when Betsy put her empty tea mug into the sink, Sophie hurried ahead to the door. They went down the stairs to the ground floor, around to an obscure door near the back wall, through it, and down a narrow hallway to the back door into the shop. Sophie waited impatiently for her mistress to unlock the door. Godwin was already in the shop. To Sophie's delight, he had a greasy, cholesterol-laden bacon-and-egg McMuffin. He was seated at the library table with it and a mug of coffee. While Betsy put the startup cash in the register, Sophie quietly went to touch him on the left shin to let him know where she was. As quietly, Godwin dropped a small piece of buttered muffin with a bit of egg clinging to it, confident it would never touch the carpet. "'Hey, Goddy!' said Betsy, slamming the drawer shut. Hmm? he said, startled into a too-perfect look of innocence. Remind me to call that blacktop company again this morning, will you? Certainly, he said, and when she began to check an order he'd made out, he dropped another morsel. An hour later, Betsy was putting together a display of small kits containing a square of tan or pale green linen, lengths of green, pink, yellow, wine, dark gold, and brown floss, a pattern of tulips in a basket, and a needle. She had made up the kits herself, putting each into a clear plastic bag with daffodils printed on it, tied shut with curly yellow ribbon. She was arranging the kits, priced at seven dollars, in a pretty white basket beside a pot of real tulips and a finished model of the pattern, still in its little Q-snap holder. A stack of little Q-snaps, which had been selling poorly, waited suggestively close to the basket. Godwin, meanwhile, had clamped a Dazor magnifying light to the library table in the middle of the shop, and was fastening the electric cord to the carpet with long strips of duct tape. At home on Sunday, Betsy had put together another little basket with illustrations of various stitches, threaded needles, and an assortment of fabrics, so that customers could try these things before buying, or get Godwin's help in doing an elaborate needlepoint stitch. The Dazor was there to help them see more clearly, and if the customer was delighted at how bright and clear things appeared under the Dazor, Betsy had several of the lights all boxed up in the back room. Betsy had recently visited Zandy's in Burnsville, where the owner had a similar setup. Zandy had told Betsy that she sold at least one Dazor a month. Betsy had sold two Dazors since she took over Cruel World nine months ago. Even at wholesale, the lights were expensive and a burden on the shop's inventory. Godwin stood up with a grunt and brushed a fragment of dust from his beautiful lightweight khaki trousers. That should keep people from tripping, he said. What's next? Pat Ingle brought a model to me in church on Sunday, said Betsy. Here it is. We'll need to find space for it on the back wall. Oh, it's the finery of nature, said Godwin, going to look. Gosh, look at it. Seeing it for real makes me wish I did counted cross-stitch myself.
and that was the purpose of models. Cruel World sold all kinds of needlework, but counted cross-stitch patterns needed more than any other the impact of the finished product to inspire needleworkers to buy. Betsy had devoted the entire back of her shop to cross-stitch, and the walls there were covered with framed models. But as new patterns arrived and old ones went out of print, a steady trickle of new models was needed. Betsy used a variety of methods to keep the walls up to date. One was to stitch them herself, but Betsy was still learning the craft and so had to lean heavily on her customers, borrowing finished patterns from them. Sometimes she offered a particularly talented customer free finishing, washing, stretching, and framing, an expensive service, in exchange for the right to display it for a time, or to giving the model maker the materials for a project, plus deep discounts on other patterns and materials in exchange.